everyone. Welcome to your newest episode of the Cosmic Matrix podcast with your host, myself, Laura Matsu, and my husband, Bernhard Gunther. So in this episode, we're going to talk, we've titled it actually, CDC says we owe conspiracy theorists an apology, which is a tweet I made this week about the CDC suddenly changing their tune on the COVID-19 guidelines. We're going to talk about what we're seeing in people, the massive kind of wave of complex PTSD and relational trauma that just happened to us and how we're basically in desperate need of healing and community and relational repair after this. And then we're going to give you some tools for healing some of your relationships that have been affected of this or potential ways that you can repair your relationships. And in the second hour, we're going to dive deeper and really talk about the spiritual and metaphysical effects of these vaccines and then what you can possibly do about that as well so all right excellent so let's well the title <laughs> excuse me cdc says we owe conspiracy theorists an apology so um did they say that well they said uh, they made an announcement about a week ago about new COVID 19 guidance alliance from the cdc and i want to quote here npr which, of course, as the mouthpiece for the big brother state, you know, Orwellian state, uh, who, by the way, NPR was actually pretty cool maybe 20 years ago, right? Yeah, I mean, like all of these happened. things, like, it's just very weird for people who used to listen to NPR to watch them become, like, big brother, like, uh, it's insane. Yeah, so here's a, they summarize it from the website, from the CDC website, New COVID-19 guidance from CDC focuses on individual decisions. Yeah. You hear that? Yes. Right? I so couldn't... they give power back to the individual. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so four points. Number one, those exposed to the virus are no longer required to quarantine. So that's, that's a good one. Number two, unvaccinated people now have the same guidance as vaccinated people. Yeah, so when I read this line, when I first saw this, I did like a triple take and I didn't believe, like I thought it was like extremely dry humor or like I was just <laughs> entered my own cognitive dissonance because I just couldn't believe that they would just change their tune like that, especially after they just started vaccinating like under five-year-olds, you know? Exactly. Yeah, let's not forget how they targeted <laughs> the children all of a sudden. And number four, oh, excuse me, number three, students can stay in class after being exposed to the virus. Wow, that's unheard of. And number four, it's no longer recommended to screen those without symptoms. So stupid. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, this was crazy to see how they just switched around. And there's this great quote too by by Greta Massetti, PhD, MPH, MMWR author. So that tells us that we can trust what she says because she has all these letters after her name. That's directly from the CDC webpage. And she says, I don't even know what an MMWR is. It doesn't matter. It, it, it's impressive. So you need to um, Yeah, this to is her. this is a consensus thing. So the letters behind the name give the person importance and then we should trust her. She's an expert, basically. Okay, and she said, we're in a stronger today place today as a nation with more tools like vaccination, boosters, and treatments to protect ourselves and our communities from severe illness and COVID-19. 
we also have a better understanding of how to protect people from being exposed to the virus, like wearing high quality masks, testing and improved ventilation. This guidance acknowledges that the pandemic is not over. We know that COVID-19 is here to stay, but also helps us to move to a point where COVID-19 no longer severely disrupts our daily lives. So let me translate that from a big brother Orwellian doublespeak perspective, right? Because it sounds all nice and good and the normies or consensus people, as they already like try to argue with you on your tweet, says, well, of course, it's it's no conspiracy. The science has changed. So it's all fine because the, the CDC says and and we're not questioning things. So No, 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 no. What they say is that the virus mutated into that's one that was to say. easy to It's what I'm trying to say. They're just like, it's just not bad anymore. And that's, that's great news. It's, there's no conspiracy, blah, 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 and all of that. But what they're also doing here, it's very interesting because from a psychological perspective, they're also what I, I was called to throw the masses a bone, right? Here, oh, it's all fine and good. We're giving you back your rights. You know, you can go back to quote unquote, your normal life and it's not as bad anymore. However, as she says, we know that COVID-19 is here to stay. So it's still in the back of the mind, subliminal and printed mm, into people point, yeah. and they use it still as a way, well, it could erupt any, at any time again and again. So having said that, what we really want to go deeper into in this topic is, you know, while the official guidelines of COVID-19 have eased up and so on, there are other things that don't go away that quickly and are very well embedded in the psyche of the human population. And that's a trauma installment program, complex PTSD because of what happened over the past two years, let alone the after effects of billions of people who haven't gotten vaccinated so we'll talk about that but before we dive into that i want to really know what was the tweet again you made um about a week ago specifically because it went really viral not no pun intended okay so the tweet was most popular thing i've ever written by the way uh new cdc guidelines say you owe your conspiracy threat friend an apology and that's kind of how I read it. When I read the guidelines, I was like, oh, my God, this is this is they're backtracking. Like how many people lost friends, relationship jobs like so I saw so much damage done to us collectively because of this division around this topic. And like the ugliness that we saw come out in humans because of this topic We'll never be able to forget that. That was yes. that was also part of the complex PTSD that I'm going to talk about later. Um, but then, you know, and by the way, I just want to give a nod because a couple years ago there was, um, there was like a, uh, Kermit meme going around that was like, wake the F up or you're going to owe your conspiracy uh, theorist friend of apology. So my, my tweet was a riff off of that. I'm not the total original. Yeah, but However, I, I said it at the right moment in time and yeah. I said it related to the CDC guidelines. But I want, I want to talk about this real quick. So just real quick, just because you're not even very active on, on Twitter, don't have that many followers but how many likes or shares did it get 40,000 40,000 what yeah. likes likes and then and then Donald and, J Trump kind of like took it from you and made his own tweet basically saying the same with yeah. the, the guidelines right yeah he said actually with the guideline seems to me that the CDC owes your conspiracy theorist friend an apology That's so Donald he Trump yeah Jr. he totally saw it yeah. for sure and i'm actually glad that he didn't retweet it because like the oh, last be thing slammed. Yeah, I even on that tweet actually, I did see quite a few yeah. ugly comments. Although I have to say, 
the large majority were like laughing their asses off. And some people were also like, I'm never going to forget this. This was, I lost my job. This was insane. You know, I could see the relational trauma in the replies as well. Cause people are like, I mean, the ugliness that really came out of some people towards their friends, like it was just, it was awful. It was really, I think we, we made a podcast about this like way back in the thick of it, like uh, how to witness a collective shadow with an open heart. And that's what we saw actually. So much shadow material come out of our family, friends, just everyone, you know, left and right, like the awful stories that you hear. I mean, I know people who had family disown them because of many people actually who had family disown them over this decision. And, you know, it was just, it was really wild to be in the thick of it because throughout this whole thing, we were also doing group coaching with people who were struggling with family, disowning them, not wanting to speak with them, not inviting, disinviting them to wet family weddings, family yes. gatherings, you know, just over this alone. And that they would turn against like people they've known for decades, people they loved just because the government told them to. That's the most terrifying part of this. And I think that's really traumatized people as well. Yeah, I think, and also on the on a positive note, you know, um, looking at this viral post, I think more and more people have now started to question it or are fed up with it and just don't go along with it. You know, I've seen from many people who first believed it, they turn around, I've seen many vaccinated people regretting it and all of that. I've seen it also within my family, turning around and all, but it's not that easy. You know, I think um, as we go deep into that, some relationships can be repaired, right? But others definitely not. And that's just part of also the evolution of consciousness, understanding the trajectory within the splitting of humanity. That's just part of life too. Like yeah. we have this idea that like, you're supposed to be friends with people until the day you die. And while that's amazing when that happens, it's just not the case, especially if you're a growth oriented individual. And if you're orientated towards growth, like you may outgrow people at a faster pace than before, you know, people from high school, people used to know, but then also you might be surprised at the people who grow with you as well. So it's kind of like a double-edged thing. You know, it's interesting too, on that note, I saw some people who are completely caught up by this Wetiko mass psychosis virus that mind control program that they go against this the new cdc guidelines like oh no we, we cannot just uh, you know open up right now we still need to double mask we still know everybody needs to get their shots they're so ironically first they were conditioned by the cdc and then they yes. take on this belief system they began deeper in, entrenched in them with their own fear paranoia this extreme trauma response and now the source that told them that installed into that kind of tells them to ease up you can go along your lives and like no we can't because <laughs> that's because, a self-inflicted stockholm syndrome well yeah and it's an it's a, it's an adaptive trauma response which is a key element of complex ptsd is yeah. that in in order to survive difficult experiences you develop almost like this trauma-based personality that served you like maybe a while ago, but it's no longer serving you anymore. So just take them on face value. They think being paranoid and being like double masking and just, you know, over sanitizing things, they thought that was helping them. And they develop and they'll keep on that. They're basically, they'll, they developed a trauma personality that they won't be able to drop. And now we have this new form of mental illness, which will never, never, never get named 
which has been a product of the past two years, which is people who are afraid of the air, afraid of other people, yeah. afraid of just, you know, touching and anything. Yeah, something yeah. invisible. It's a totally, it's mass formation psychosis. It's not it's going to go away. So let's dive into it. Let's define um, C, uh, CPTSD, complex PTSD, because that's what millions, and I would say billions of people are dealing with. Most of them don't even know that they are suffering on it because there are all these kind of trauma responses and avoidances and checking out, mm -hmm. fight and flight, disassociating and addictions. So most people, again, we say this, I say this over and over again, are traumatized, but that they don't know that they are traumatized, right? Exactly. So there's like PTSD, which is like, and not all of the events I'm about to list as PTSD have to be a PTSD besides war, but it's like, like abuse, rape, uh, ser serious like medical injuries, a, a car accident, like that's like a one-off event. That's a that's a that's a traditional definition of PTSD. But complex PTSD, which is sometimes also called developmental trauma, is basically ongoing relational relationship trauma. And developmental trauma is when it happens in childhood, and then complex PTSD was it when it happens continuing into adulthood, basically. So it happens in relationship, essentially. So, you know, when traumatic events happen and stress in life becomes overwhelming, it works on similar ways in the body and brain. It makes us disassociate. It makes it get into fight or flight. We have flashbacks, um, you know, we or we have fawn response, which I'm going to talk about in a second. But regardless of how it shows up in you, this relational trauma creates a disconnection from our true self in the process. Mm -hmm. So that to me is a distinguishing factor of complex PTSD and developmental trauma. We disconnect from self. So that's the most important thing. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about how this kind of shows up. And I'm reading actually, uh, these are words I, I just Googled off a website. Her name is Meg John Barker, and she really defines it well. She's, she's referring to Pete Walker's work on this. And she says, CPSD occurs when we internalize a sense of ourselves as unacceptable as a child due to how we're responded to by the world around us. Pete Walker talks of a shift from a child believing I make mistakes to I am a mistake. So the behavior turns into identity. The shaming we experience from others, whatever form that takes, becomes an inner sense that we are shameful. Such children develop a vicious inner critic voice, which they're always trying to please. So and I just want to, on a reference, because that's Pete Walker. What's the name of this book? And he Complex just PTSD. Out, and he just came out with a new one, no? Didn't he? No, that's the developmental trauma. Oh, author. something else. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, but what it reminds me of from I make a mistake to I am a mistake that also we had a podcast episode about this as well, because complex PTSD also relates to unconscious internalized shame. Yes. Right. Based yes. on uh, John Bradshaw's work. The affect. So the emotional tone of the inner critic is always shame. So whether yes. you have a strong inner critic or outer critic is always shame based and yeah. it's shame based identity, actually. Yeah. So instead of thinking I made a mistake. I'm a bad person. Like you something's, are flawed. something's wrong with me. Something's fundamentally wrong with me. That's the belief. Okay. Go and ahead. then and then she continues, often emotional expression is punished or shamed. We mean that children don't learn how to regulate their emotions or experience them in a positive way. They can also find other people's emotions overwhelming and overwhelming and frightening too. There is often a sense of not being loved or liked by those around them. Totally can relate to that. And or love disappearing suddenly and or of it being very contingent on only behaving in some ways and others. 
So all of this well, in light happened. Of COVID, yes. yes, that's what I mean. That wow. is why this is really fascinating. So beca because it's too risky for kids to believe that those around them are, are in any way dangerous, they tend to protect those people by taking all the responsibility for what's happening on themselves. So that's how it's going to show up. So basically, you know, the shaming that we experience from others over the past years can actually create it can also target already existing complex PTSD, which mm -hmm. a lot of, I've seen a lot of people have as well, but it can basically amplify this idea as I am shameful. It can amplify our own inner critic, especially if we, uh, you know, are kind of a people pleasing type of person. And also, you know, it create, it does create a sense of not being loved or liked by those around us or that love can e easily disappear or it's very contingent on us only getting the vax. Like that's kind of what's happened. Well, let's dissect this a little bit. Like you mentioned, you know, emotional expression is punished or shamed, right? So basically when, you know, express a certain thing for yourself, well, I don't believe in that. I feel different. This is not, you know, the true story. I have, I have certain questions about the so-called pandemic, maybe even about virus as, uh, isolation and what these official authorities tell us, you know, even about allopathic medicine. Yeah. And like, no, you know, not only you're being shamed for your beliefs and gaslight, like really being personally attacked. Yes. Right. Or shamed like, oh, my God, if you have these views, you endanger other people. Right? You're dangerous. You're, you're, you're vilified. You're a racist, a white supremacist. <laughs> exactly. Like, all of that. Yeah. And then also you're punished. Punished how? Yeah. People lost their jobs, right? Yeah. Who didn't go along with it, who didn't want to go you know, take the jab or anything or punished by their own families by yeah. disowning their own children or the parents or families or divorces, marriages and all of that, that's has tremendous psychological repercussions. Exactly. So like it was basically, so for people who are already, you know, if you had parents who rejected you, who criticized you, who emotionally, physically, sexually abused you, there's more likelihood that you are you were already carrying some uh, some aspect of complex PTSD. So basically, if we don't get attuned to, if we don't get that secure attachment, if we don't get that acceptance from our parents um, at all the developmental stages we need it, we develop these adaptive strategies. We develop these basically false personalities in order to get along with the world. And same thing happened this year. So I see that with a lot of people, their own traumas got re basically triggered, you know, I think there was a new wave of it as well. So here's some of the signs that that characterizes according to Pete Walker, CPTSD. So emotional flashbacks. So when you get like really triggered and you just get so flooded by like fight, flight, freeze or some strong emotion, that's an emotional flashback. And that's the past coming back into the present. So you got to like always ask yourself, is the level that I'm upset match the situation? Sometimes you think you might justify it and think it is. But generally speaking, you know, this is when emotions are like out of a 10 above a four and you're really getting flooded, being highly critical of ourselves and others. So that's really interesting as well to think <laughs> about, because how many people had this super strong outer critic come out? where they were just being like, you're not masking properly. You're not doing enough. You're not far enough away from me, you know? So that's also based, uh, when we talk about trauma and, and, and PTSD, their own inner critic, what they have always had in, in, in themselves, what they how they feel about themselves is then being used through the situation, through this authoritarian programming yeah. to criticize and shame others, to become an authoritarian onto others. Yeah, right? so if you're like, 
overly outwardly outwardly critical towards another person that is a projection towards your of your own inner critic right where your inner critic has gotten so like suppressed and awful for your psyche to face that you could only experience it when you criticize others and I have that actually, I mean, Bernard can tell you when I get into my moments, you know, yes. because I have a super strong inner critic and the inner critic, basically the main emotion that the inner critic brings up is toxic shame. So when we're spiraling into toxic shame or we're doing something we thought was wrong or something about ourselves, you know, that's an inner critic attack. So just to know that those two are really intimately linked. Um, abandoning ourselves. So this means that like not speaking up for how you feel, what you think, mm -hmm. who, what your needs are, and just sacrificing your own self to please others. That's a key aspect. So then also think about how active that ha has been over the past couple of years. Well, that goes also along with people who are just afraid to stand up because, you know, yeah, because they're, they're afraid of, of the repercussions, so they're banning themselves. There's a split internally, not listening to the true self, to standing up for how they truly feel and see, exactly. but put on a mask to appease to others to not rock the boat. And that friction itself also causes trauma. Exactly. Um, exactly. And, that's, and I think that's the key piece. And they're not actually as afraid of the consequences of what could happen most of the time as they're afraid of this toxic shame spiral that would come from the outside world. Right. So like you abandon yourself to live what other people want you to do. Um, and anxiety. So this is another point, anxiety and our struggles around social situations or relationships, loneliness or feeling abandoned, disassociation, being checked out, distracting or numbing yourself with food, drink, worrying, social media, TV. That's, I want to address, so again, these are, these are signs and, and symptoms of uh, complex PTSD. Yeah. This is a big one. That's why I mean this disassociation part or checked out or distracting yourself or numbing with food, drink, working, social media, TV, whatever, video games, all of that, uh, porn, whatever it may be. Um, that's why I mean that most people are traumatized, but don't know they're traumatized because they're disassociated and they just distract themselves from these uncomfortable feelings through these means. Exactly, exactly. Um, feeling bad about ourselves, so low self-esteem, self-loathing. That was a really big one for me to untangle is like, you know, even in contrast to evidence that proves the contrary, I carry this belief that I'm a bad person, that something's inherently wrong with me. And I couldn't figure it out. I was like almost like this like stain on my soul. And then, you know, through doing my own therapy and my own inner work, that was exactly the way that my parents treated me. So you internalize the way that your parents treat you. And then that becomes the basis of your self-esteem. That's such a key piece. Yeah. Because if you have bad self-esteem, it actually doesn't have anything to do with how pretty you are, how talented you are, or whatever. It has to do with you not having... Uh, been seen enough in childhood and had that secure attachment and have internalized those good feelings about yourself. Exactly. So you already have that childhood wound, that the trauma based on this upbringing, yeah. based on your parents not seeing you, shaming you for the way you feel, for not, uh, you know, attentively listening, of not mirroring positively. Yeah. And then you get the same from who? The other parent, which is government or mother, the toxic mother, the big brother or government mm -hmm. and authoritarianism and <coughs> corporations and all of that, the authority, right? 
who do exactly the same to you. So that's a good like, point. Like yeah. you mentioned, it's not just this new trauma is being installed, but it's compounds on trauma many people have already suffered in childhood. Yeah, that's a really good point. So these inner parental relationships, we also project on the outer world. So the easiest way to understand that is we project onto men, our relationships with our op with our father and women, our relationships with our mother, typically speaking, you know. So we want to also understand that all of these uh, you know, developmental traumas can then become the basis of our projections towards other people. Um, big mood changes and struggles with feelings, difficulties in relationships, and then being e easily triggered into the four Fs, which are fight, flight, freeze. And then he talks about fawn. And I'll just touch a little bit on the somatic experiences of this as well, just really fast. So hypervigilance, this is a very common one. So constantly st scanning your environment for danger. That's a trauma response. So if you tend to do that with people like coach, just when you go out, if you're constantly looking for, oh my God, am I the only one without a mask? Like, you know, that's could be a complex PTSD trauma response of what happened over the past or, couple of years. Or the other side, a lot of people go into grocery stores, come and mask up with gloves, like completely, yes, exactly. extremely hyper vigilant and seeing viruses yes. everywhere. And on that note, you know, I can see many people, especially seen through the lies, they're fed up with it. We can also, and I've experienced it, get angry at people who are still masked or wear masks or had these kind of in, intense safety measures and just, you know, um, based on this on on the program. But you have to understand they're running a program and they're acting from deep trauma. Mm. So it doesn't mean to just go along with them and cater to them, but there needs to be a level of compassion that uh, to see why they're doing what they're doing. And they're not connected to self. They cannot think for themselves. They're programmed beings uh under a trauma response and that's just the way it is and unfortunately and i'll go way deeper into that also in the second hour that the whole point of traumatizing people from a matrix perspective is because you can control them easier that way why yes, because exactly. they disassociate they're disconnected from their true self hence they're disconnected from their own inner guidance from the inner discernment uh, from their own intuition and hence they are more chained and want more other people or the authority to tell them what to do and because of their own insecurity, then they project it and impose it onto others. But it's important to understand that these program people are acting from a trauma response, from a deeply, like MK Ultra military military level mind program, mind programming, mind control. So getting angry at them doesn't help at all. It only feeds the matrix frequency. Yes. And, you know, even hyper-focusing on people that are like still going along with it can be your own trauma response as well. You know, like just ignore them. Why are you focusing on the one That's person true. in the store who has a mask on? You know, I, I'm talking to myself actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. I can relate. <laughs> okay. So a few more somatic bodily experiences that are common to CPTSD. I'm just listing these so then people can actually use them as a way of telling if, do I have some after these past couple of years or have I always had some shallow breathing, feeling adrenaline a lot of the time, feeling physically armored up and braced for trouble. So like your muscles are tight, back pain, and then also just kind of like, you know, wear and tear from how much you're armored up or you're rushing all the time. That rushing all the time thing is also a symptom of hypervigilance, struggling to stay present, relaxed and grounded in your body, sleep problems, 
exaggerated startle responses. So like I have that as well. Um, digestive problems and um, yeah, self-harm as well. I, th I think that that's one I... I don't see that much as many anymore, but keep in mind that self-harm is also addicted addictions well, and overeating and stuff like that as yeah, well. Yeah, and also suicides have skyrocketed. Let's not yeah, forget then that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. The ultimate self-harm. So yeah, uh, I'm again going to be referring to this article. Meg John Bar Barker wrote it, just referring to uh, Pete Walker's work in complex PTSD. And she said the four Fs are the four different responses that all animals, including humans who are part animal, uh, when something traumatic happens to them, fight, flight, freeze, fawn. So fight is when we attack back. So when you're in a trauma response, if you tend to attack back, that's your, you're a fight response person. Flight is when we try to escape, we leave, we check out, we ignore. Freeze is when we go still and go frozen. Uh, and fawn is when you try to appease the attacker to get out of the situation. So in CPTSD, one or more of these generally become our entrenched survival strategies, the way we learn to relate to ourselves, others, and the world. And we use these strategies to try and meet our yearning to experience the kind of love we always wanted, to avoid getting abandoned, to try and not feel overwhelming feelings. Needless to say, they are not helpless strategies for achieving these aims. Um, but a lot of people use them basically. So fight, if you're a fight type, so this is one character strategy, survival strategy of PTSD. This means you try to control others. You demand things from, you demand things from them. You blame them for any relationship problems other than looking at your piece in it, or you try to fix them or you criticize and attack them. Flight response means you just try and be the perfect person. You just try and make yourself worthy of love to other people. or You work very hard to just be perfect. So you're abandoning yourself in that moment. Freeze. That, sorry, real quick. That, that also relate to codependency and people oh, pleaser. Oh, for sure. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, exactly. Um, so freeze involves hiding, retreating, keeping intimacy, at a, keeping intimacy at a distance, disassociating, distracting. So this means like you just avoid relationships entirely. Like you just check out basically. Um, fawn involves people pleasing. So focusing okay. on other needs other than our own, trying to make ourselves into what we think others want us to be. So flight and fawn are, are very much overlapping because basically fawn is also a type of freeze response, flight response. It's type of like still a, a nervous system activation thing. And, you know, you, you know, this person, um, this Meg woman, Barker woman continues. She says, all four strategies have something that's helpful for us. If we can cultivate them all and go into them appropriately. So that's the key point. Fight enables us to be assertive and hold our boundaries. Flight means that we can disengage and be industrious and endure things. Freeze means that we take time to retreat, to be mindful and present. Fawn is about loving and serving people to compromising and listening. So we don't want to get rid of any of these uh, aspects of ourselves. We just want to use them more intelligently. But a lot of people, you know, um, they do the opposite. So they just do it. They fawn all the time and they freeze all the time or they're flight all the time or they fight all the time. So, you know, and Pete Walker says that, you know, it's kind of a spectrum. So you want, if you're a fawn type, you actually need to learn how to fight and make boundaries a little bit better. And I won't touch on all of them, but another really important one is the freeze type. So the freeze type really needs to understand the cost of isolation and establishing, reaching out for therapeutic relationships 
finding healing relationships, whether it's friends, pets, support groups, whatever, you know, you need to learn the cost of actually isolating yourself, basically. And so, you know, we just want to reflect on how these past couple years has impacted us, has impacted the way that we show up in our relationships and how we can look at healing that. Because I think that the most important thing for us actually is to come back into our true selves, to come back into regulation, to slow things down, to simplify our our lives a little bit. And I'm not saying that whatever the craziness of the world isn't over. I also want to, I totally understand how there's lots of places that are still demanding it. People have lost their jobs. You know, there's so much to clean up here, but we also want to take really good care of our own nervous systems and how this affected us relationally. Because if we don't do some aspect of healing ourselves and how this affected how we relate to the world, then this is going to just be even more fuel for the next divide and conquer agenda and another trauma. And as they keep layering on more psyops, more people will get disassociated and the world will just get more and more chaotic. So, so yeah, I want to just uh, add on what you just mentioned, because it's very important. These uh, 4F responses, fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. And as you mentioned, it's important to understand there's nothing wrong with these responses. They are a natural part, actually, as a protection mechanism. When traumatic events happen, we know you need to sometimes get into a healthy fight or flight response. Yes. Sometimes a fawn response or a freeze response. You know, that's that's a natural adaptation to deal with danger and traumatic events to help us to help us survive. Mm-hmm. So it's very important. There's nothing wrong with them, right? Exactly. The issue, especially with humans, comes in. If we get stuck, it becomes internalized, unconscious. We don't process it. You get stuck there. And we get stuck there, yeah. even over lifetimes, by the way. That's a whole other topic when we look into evolutionary astrology, how we can carry over uh, trauma over lifetimes and then gets reactivated in a current life. Yeah. Or childhood trauma gets activated in our adult uh, life, you know, because we've never processed it. And like you mentioned, we project a past, unconsciously a past situation into the present. Exactly. Right. So that's really important to understand. And it's, and it's like, you know, if you get good at reading the signs of fight, flight and freeze in yourself, and then seeing what it looks like in yourself, then you see it in the world. And it literally looks like the person is being chased by a tiger, but they're just in the grocery store or they're just in the car but their nervous system is in that state. And it's just wild to witness, actually. Like, you know, we see in people who are in a free state all the time and they don't even know that they are. They're just like eyes wide, like super checked out. You know, all of these are aspects of the free state. So, yeah. So, you know, for example, I was mentioning, thinking of the fight response. You know, when you get really angry at somebody, (laughs) you know, for wearing a mask or going like, you know what I mean? And, you know, that anger may actually result as I've seen... (laughs) on what TikTok, YouTube videos and whatnot, where people really get in fist fights. Yeah. You know, because of wearing a mask, not wearing a mask, that's actually coming from a trauma response. Yeah. Right? You're just trying to ease a pain by projecting this on somebody else. and, and, and A fight not, trauma response. Fight trauma actually. response. Yeah, yeah. And nothing is going to change by doing that. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And now, correct me if I'm wrong, but if uh, listening, uh, as you were reading through these different uh, F responses, I would say that the majority of people, based on the past two years of the gaslighting, whatever happened on the collective level, are suffering from a fawn response. Yes. Right? Because freeze too. Freeze and fawn, because especially yeah. fawn involves like 
becoming this authoritarian follower, right? Becoming a people pleaser and just going along with the program. Exactly. Right? Yeah, 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 exactly. So, you know, and one just more last important piece about complex PTSD is he says how important it is for verbal ventilation, meaning if you're pissed off about something that happened in the world or your relationships, can you just find a way to verbally ventilate it? Ideally saying it out loud, because that's the most powerful, I think, because then it creates a somatic experience of you actually expressing your feelings. But if that's really hard for you, you could at least write it down. And this will help you release some of the painful feelings. It will help you air out some of the grievances you've had, you know. So when you let yourself finally speak all the things that you need wanted to say, you know, it can be extremely healing. So, you know, this might be part of the process, especially if you're someone who went the past couple years not being able to say anything about it so verbal ventilation is such a good practice okay let's let's not mistake verbal ventilation of with going off on somebody no no, no. this is right? no this is done consciously with a coach with a therapist with a trusted friend even just to yourself alone in your diary it's done consciously so you do this so you don't actually lose it on that person in front you know, of you on that note, it reminds me of that it's also healthy to speak. We talked about the past three years. It was so much a litmus test of, you know, especially in so-called spiritual wellness health circles who went along with all this program and the jab and nobody spoke out, nobody questioned. In fact, they shamed and anybody who started to question it on top of it. So it was yeah. a litmus test who, stand, who was standing where. But we've also seen, you know, almost with a disappointment, a lot of people who know what's going on but didn't say anything because, you know, Maybe they're more concerned about... No, because they were in a fond response. They were in a fond... Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. You know, but what I'm saying is like exactly what you... I want to reference what you mentioned. Actually speaking out and making your voice heard despite of the backlash, what you experience is actually a healthy... <laughs> will boost your immune system. Is a healthy response. If you're a fond person. Right. In general, and I'm talking in general, if you know the truth, because then, then there's no split between the way you portray yourself, uh, yourself externally and the way you truly feel within yourself. Yeah, but I, I have to say people don't do that because they tend to go into freeze and fawn, which fawn is, is also a freeze response. Yeah. So like if people who, I, I can see this in a lot of people who were scared to, they most likely had unacknowledged complex PTSD that was getting in the way. And yeah. I also have complex PTSD. I have all sorts of exaggerated startle responses, weird fears that come up, you know, catastrophizing, all sorts of stuff. But I have to say it actually he helped me heal a lot of that trauma by speaking out because a lot of my own way, my, my pattern with the general consensus, the world was fun. So let me talk about how to repair the relationships because I really want to make sure we get into this. Okay. Okay. So first of all, do you even want to repair this relationship? Do you guys have similar values? Like first ask yourself that because I've noticed in a lot of people, a lot of the relationships that left their lives, they were kind of ready to let go of anyway. And they were just friends with them out of comfort. They've known them for a while or whatever, you know, they didn't have similar values. They've been growing apart. So that's the first question. Real quick, just when we talk about relationships, so we're talking about all relationships intimate relationship, be it boyfriend, girlfriend, yeah, yeah, I'm talking about marriage, all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. family, totally, yeah. friends, work colleagues, all of them. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So the first part, ask yourself, do I even want to repair this relationship and really connect to your heart and really answer that question authentically. Okay. So how to begin the repair if the answer is yes. 
So if the answer is no, then grieving the relationship, processing your feelings about it, maybe verbally ventilating everything you want to say, writing them a letter, just grieving it would be your work. So the answer is yes, and you do want to repair. The first thing I would recommend is actually process the feelings you have towards that person. So if they said some really awful, nasty things or whatever, you know, and you're really feeling triggered or charged or even maybe freeze about it, it's important you find a way that you can let those emotions out. So depending on the emotion, if you're angry, you might need to like punch a pillow, write an angry letter. If you're sad, you might need to cry. You know, if you're just frozen about it, then you just got to regulate your nervous system and learn tools to calm yourself down, you know? So that's the first thing is because I know that a lot of people are holding a lot of unprocessed feelings over some things that were said and done over the past couple of years. So just do your part to work with those feelings. You're going to say something? Yeah, and it reminds me also, it's really important, you make a good point, to process these feelings without just letting them be. Because, and you can, you know, test it on yourself. If still have any anger and resentment towards somebody or you feel very disappointed and hurt and sad, Yeah, that's a strong sign to process these emotions. Because if you don't, it goes into the unconscious, can create all kinds of more more trauma and, uh, and component on trauma, it even can result in illnesses later on. So it's important to process these emotions and truly let go. And how do you know when you truly have a processed uh, relationship and let go of, you know, if you uh, see this person or the name comes up, whatever, be it in person or on social media, whatnot, and you do not have an emotional response, but you're more really like, objectively, you know, seeing the other person and don't have a strong emotional Yeah, you can have reaction. some emotions, but not an overly, you know, like activated one, basically. Exactly. And when we say process feelings, like, you know, I know this can sound kind of vague for people. So for me, a big way of doing that has been yoga, meditation, massage. I also do this practice, which is Basically, if you check out the book Letting Go by David Hawkins, he refers to this practice called the Letting Go practice, where you just feel the feelings you're feeling in your body with no resistance, breathe into it, let it go. Some feelings can be way more sticky than that, though. Some feelings you may need to actually talk about it to a therapist, speak what you really want to say to them out loud. It might need deeper work than that. So just keep in mind, too, just thinking about that, that since we're talking about relational trauma, the fastest track to healing it would be into a safe therapeutic relationship, hands down, because there's just something magic about like, you know, even when I was going through this, when I spoke to my own therapist, I was talking about being canceled, the jab or whatever. Actually, I was lucky because he was on the same page and I finally had someone to talk to about it. So I didn't feel so alone. So there's something very healing about doing it with someone else. You're going to say something? Yeah, I don't know. You know, you made it go. That's another issue. Which I think we talked about in a past episode about uh, awake from being woke. The problem nowadays, as well, again with you know, if a lot of people need therapy, uh, you know, in-person work, yeah. trauma work, and all of that. And unfortunately, a lot of therapists, you know, they go along with that agenda. They just you know blindly believe everything. Yeah. Uh, or they have become woke. Yeah. So I found a good resource for that. Maybe we can put it in the notes oh, yeah? somewhere where okay. it's basically a search engine of conservative therapists, but they're not all conservative, but they are therapists who will not push ideology on you. That's so they're conservative friendly. Um, and I'm not saying people, I'm not, I'm not a conservative, but that's what you want to be looking for is you don't want to, I mean, you can tell red flags on a lot of these woke therapist websites so that they advertise it. So, okay. I want to, I want to continue on. Okay. So Okay, how to begin to repair, process the feelings. Second, look at the part you may have played in it. Did you say some awful things? Do you need to also apologize as well? 
You know, that's really important that you own your part yes. and you don't go into just wanting to blame them. Experiment with, with saying what you really want to say with a safe person. So a therapist, a coach, even a friend, you know, um, this, and then decide what kind of relationship am I looking for with them now? Manage your expectations. If you know that they're not typically an emotionally vulnerable person, but you know, you got to say this to them, then don't expect for them to just give you like, Oh, thank you. And it'll, it'll all be good. That would be amazing if that happened. And I hope that it does for you, but just manage your expectations. Think about who you're dealing with. Think about their history when you've been vulnerable before. Has it gone well? So you want to manage your expectations around this. Um, and then the repair. So basically repair is like super huge for keeping your relationship basically vital and full of intimacy. Because if you're not saying it, then it's going under the surface and you're avoiding talking to them and your emotional connection with that person is slowly dying, the less you're willing to actually engage in healthy conflict with them, essentially. So the most important thing, so if you find someone, you're going to have a conversation with them, try and enter the space from a non-activated place. So if you're really anxious or really angry at them still, that's a sign that it might be a good idea for you to just find a way to process those feelings using any of the things that I just suggested, basically. Um, and then you can't also be high on what John Gottman calls the four horsemen. So you can't go into it with criticism, contempt, defensiveness or stonewalling. It's not going to work. So if you're coming in very defensive, you're coming in, you're about to criticize them. You just feel really awful towards them. Like, oh my God, can't believe they did this. You, you're still, you've been stonewalling them. You know, it's not going to work. Um, and so say that's not, you're in a good mood. You're ready to enter the conversation. So see if you can break the ice by first saying something funny something, you know, you appreciate asking them a question about themselves, like build a little bit of relational rapport before you get into it or say, you know, you can even say that you miss talking to them or say something vulnerable coming from your heart, acknowledging that you appreciate them and you want to make a connection with them. It's called a softened startup. Um, and then begin with being vulnerable and owning your part. So being like, Hey, you know, this is crazy past couple years talk about what you want to say to them and what your part could have been in it. Even if it was a small part, just own your part. Um, and then, you know, listen to the other person as well and try and understand where they're coming from. So really listen from what, where, until they feel understood. This doesn't mean you agree with them. So this can be the hardest part. So they might say, oh, I thought you were just a crazy radical anti-vax or whatever, you know, just see if you can just listen to them without agreeing with them. So regulate, take deep breaths, being like, I can hear this person without agreeing with them. Um, and then, you know, there can be all sorts of nuance in it. We're not going to go into depth, but you really want to do this, you know, listening until you feel understood, until they feel understood. Ideally, they also listen until you feel understood. If they're a great relationship for you, they should be able to do that to some extent. Just talk to them until you can create a soothing moment. So like, you know, until there's like a moment of connection, you feel heard, you know, and then you want to just show appreciation for the, to them for being authentic with you, you know? And so that's just a mini version of what you can do. And so in case it gets heated and you get, or you get very triggered and you notice you're going to fight, flight, freeze, or even fawn, or they start crossing boundaries, they start calling you names, yelling, really important. 
the conversation can't, the repair can't happen in that space. So ask for a timeout and be like, and let them know, don't just stonewall, let them know, hey, I need a timeout. I really want to finish this conversation, but I'm just feeling really flooded emotionally. I can't speak in this place, speak from an eye place and then tell them how long you need before you're going to check in with them again. So make a verbal promise that you're going to return back to them and that you really want to keep going and talking about this. Um, so that's kind of a mini thing that you can do to the relationships that are available for that. And then keep in mind at the end, you know, depending on how, if you guys can repair, that will depend on if the relationship can survive this kind of conflict, you know, because good relationships will go, will, will know how to deal with conflict and repair effectively after you have to be comfortable doing this as much as possible. And so there might be even multiple pieces to repair. So you might need to have multiple conversations. This person is closer to you, but you really want to just come in with a desire to actually create connection and to be vulnerable. Yeah, excellent. Great breakdown. And that's easier said than done. <laughs> uh, you know, we see it sometimes even in our relationship. Yes. Right. But I want to share a little bit um, for my own vulnerability. I had a, I can sh talk a bit about... Uh, a repair I went through with my parents mm. uh, because I went through all these stages. I did it the wrong way, the right way, and anything in between. And it's exactly about this topic. So, you know, my parents are uh, uh, living in Germany. And in Germany, actually, from what I understand, the COVID measures and all of that has been way even way more severe than here in the US, at least at the, at the time being. Um, so, you know, obviously having... Me, as their son, I've tried to red pill them for the past 20 years <laughs> about various topics. Yeah. So one great thing, and my parents are also not young anymore. My dad is in his 80s, my mom in her late 70s. Um, well, at least they see through the 9-11. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> well, my dad is an engineer. He uses, my dad is like, is very, is intelligent, you know, um, very left brain, very logical. But if you can present a case... Um, he will take his time to look into it, but with 9-11 as an engineer, you know, it didn't pan out to him that the official story is true. It just didn't make sense on the basic physics level. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. on that level, that's as far as you can go. So at least not knowing what happened, but definitely not going along with the official story. But anyway, so with the whole COVID thing happened, obviously I was on my parents' case right away because I was also concerned as a son, I don't, didn't want them to get vaccinated. Yeah. Right. Because we know of the detrimental effects and all of that of the vaccine and whatnot. And there has been even death cases in their own friend circle of even a young, more younger persons in their 30s or 40s who got the jab and then coincidentally died of a um, yeah, heart, um, what's it called, blood clot oh. in the heart. You know? oh, wow. So yeah, just yeah. A, a couple of weeks later. Yeah. Um, so there was definitely concern. But I can be also my thing with my mass and Aries, as you know, I'm a very confrontational. I'm not the one to shy away from conflict. I'm the opposite. I need to choose my battles wisely. And the problem with maybe listeners can relate to that when you get into arguments or try to convince your family members, all the other, especially parents, all the other shit gets activated as well comes compounded into it right from the past yeah so it's not like having an objective conversation because emotionally very easily um so you know i was very concerned you know i tried to red pill i pushed information on my parents which they weren't even really able to ab uh, absorb so to speak mm -hmm. so i went against my own um how can you say almost like you know 
um, value in terms of you cannot push information on others. They have to ask and, you know, be extremely considerate. It's <laughs> didn't do it that much with my parents. So I was just kind of telling them all of that. And they kind of then shut down a bit. And um, last year kind of conveyed to me or, or, or almost admitted to me that they got the vax, but didn't tell me. Mm. They were afraid to tell me because of what I would say. And the main reason they got it, especially early on, early 2021, because they were, you know, they traveled, they were not able to go anywhere, even to supermarkets or cultural events, theaters, you know, all what my parents enjoy. So they got, they took the, how do you say, the carrot, so to speak. Well, if you want to engage in social life again, take the job. Mm-hmm. So they got it. Um, and I got very, very upset. You know, I got very angry. And um, so, uh, you know, obviously the way I reacted wasn't very, wasn't well received by my parents. You got angry with them on the phone now? On the phone. Yeah, yeah it yeah, happened yeah, on yeah, the yeah, phone yeah, or yeah. FaceTime or something, you exactly, know, and I was yeah. just screaming at me and like going down, you know, just really angry. And anger, but you could, you could say it came from a well-meaning intent. The anger was also what is underneath the anger well, concern for my parents. Fear. Right? Fear, you know, that something may happen to them. Yeah. Um, but it kind of escalated and, you know, my parents were not able to take it in because um, they were really upset. So they, um, after they hang up the phone, my dad's like, you know, we, we cannot do this anymore. Like, we don't want to hear from you for the next few weeks, uh, four, uh, four weeks or something. You mm-hmm. know? They stonewalled. Stonewalled me. <clears throat> well, as a reaction of me pushing, you know, going, you know, being very angry at them, mm-hmm. uh, which then ironically triggered my childhood trauma of being stonewalled before and the abandonment wound came up. Your CPTSD, right? actually. Exactly. That's yeah. what happened. And what kind of response did I get? And I usually get into... Freeze. Freeze, right? Freeze, yeah. 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 Or fawn. Yeah. Like, you didn't try... Yeah, I mean, you, you, you got more into freeze, I think, because you just like got into severe abandonment, like fear. I think yeah. it was more freeze. Yeah, and also I was processing it emotionally, though. You know, I got deep into processing my sadness, I was crying, all of that, very confused. Um, you know, having said that, you know, I had to res- I had to just respect the boundary because in the past I would just kind of crawl back and trying to you would fawn fawn trying to please them exactly. Please exactly you know i just yeah. had to respect them also like understand like and the key point is like yeah they don't have the emotional tools they don't know how to how to process trauma yes they maybe shouldn't have stonewalled me and whatnot but that was their reaction to what i did so like what you mentioned in any relationship i need to have to look into what my part in it yeah right yeah even though you could see, actually, the way that they were handling it was not relationally like safe. Was well, not no. Like, but but you knew better. That's it, it why reacted, you had to. Reacted. I did my child what they already did even in my childhood, which was like kind of stonewalling. Or, which is a key thing is that if you know better, it is actually up to you to kind of take the high road. Exactly, sometimes. and I didn't. So that's I had to own this on myself. Well, you know, that's you know, and then I felt bad. I had to watch out that I don't, um, you know, punish myself because then I felt really bad at myself. Yeah. you know, about having done that, you know, so to speak. So it was a whole process I had to go through internally. Uh, but then a few weeks later, then, okay, you know, I also wrote an, a nice email of like, hey, understanding where they're coming from and really what you just mentioned, really understanding their situation, mm-hmm. right? What they're subjected to, right? Understanding where they're coming from, regardless of what I think know is the truth and whatnot and here and there, right? So, uh, you know, so I brought it, you know, really help will really help is like when i conveyed to them how i understood where they were coming from and i made my sincere amends right 
not apologizing for like my views, but for my approach. Mm-hmm. That was the main key. Yeah. And that really helped them to come better understanding. And that since then, I was being more level-headed. I also kind of like just don't push information onto them. You know, just let them be. It's their free will in the end of the day. I said what I said. I cannot control them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but through this repair now, and we have a really better relationship now, really on an emotional level, uh, they are no more receptive. And now recently, with everything's happening in the world, you know, in Germany, they put another push for another vax round. And my, you know, and I'm all I said, hey, texted my dad, I hope you not, guys not going to go for another round. This is a lot of nonsense out there. You guys know my position, but you need to do what you need to do for yourself. And he replied, yes, definitely. We're not going to do go along with that anymore. Right? That's good. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, so they got their one or two shots. That was it um, at the very beginning. Thankfully, nothing happened to them, you know, at least on the physical level. They, you know, they also really, you know, my parents are very f- physically active. They take care of themselves. They're, they're in good shape for their age. Yeah. So this is also just an inspiring story because it can happen with the right relationships. And even if it's not like perfect and they did stonewall you or they said things or you said things that you regret, you know, it's always possible. Like we want to be careful not to abandon relationships that are repairable during these times. And also being able to let go of the ones that are too. Because I think many of yeah. us, we've made many new friends throughout the past couple of years. I know if I have, I've connected with people who I probably wouldn't have connected up to otherwise. And like, you know, in spite of it, there's been this amazing unification happening too. Yes, exactly. It's almost a weird paradox. We have like, you know, deeper healing and repairs happening, but there's also still the splitting of humanity happening at the same time. So on that note, this is the end of the first hour and the second hour we go much deeper because we still have to consider one thing didn't go away and that's that over half of the population of, of humanity has become vaccinated. So we're going to look deeper into the metaphysical spiritual consequences and I want to dive deeper, make more points and you know put it in a more uh, perspective, so to speak, and what we can do about that and also looking into the bigger picture of what's happening in the world beyond COVID and where this all main leading were, uh, would or will, also in light of the climate change scare and all of that. And yes, if you want to have access to the second hour and you are not already a member, please go to my website, veilofreality.com, and there you can sign up to the membership and you will get access to all the second parts of the episodes of the podcast. A lot of stuff we cannot really talk about in the first hour for obvious reasons. With that being said, thank you for listening and see you on the other side.